Hello, how's everybody doing? Hoping you're having a fantastic day. So we're getting into the third, I think it's the third video in the series on the evolution of Catholic dogma. Uh, this is going to be on the what's called the three degrees of doctrinal evolution, three degrees of dogmatic evolution, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> but this is going to be an important one because we're still laying the foundation for the rest of really the entire series. So first, we've already uh, kind of established what it means for something to evolve. What does it mean for something to evolve um, homogeneously? What does it mean for something to uh, evolve transformistically? But what we can start off by all agreeing with is that in order for there to be evolution in anything, there is going to be some sort of distinction that we're going to posit in uh, between what we begin with and then what we end with, or there's not really going to be uh, any sort of evolution at all. Uh, if, if there's no sort of difference uh, between the beginning and the end. So we have to, uh, before we go any further, uh, get into what it means for something to be distinguished from another thing. And this is going to uh, get us into all of those fun terms that everybody likes to use, nominal distinction, real distinction, uh, uh, virtual distinction, uh, distinction of reason, reasoned, distinction of reason, reasoning. But rather than stick on the level of mere terminology, what I wanted to do is I actually wanted to explain to you <laughs> uh, and, and kind of bring you through the process of how we get to all of those terms before I give you the term. So first we can distinguish, uh, no pun intended, we can distinguish between a distinction that's in the mind versus a distinction that's in something. So am I making that distinction? Does that distinction come into existence in my intellect due to the imperfection of our reasoning process? We're not angels, we're men, so we go through a certain process of reasoning in order to come to know some sort of concept. Does it merely exist there, or does it exist in the thing? So uh, that that is that is the fundamental distinction we're going to make. Uh, we can call uh, the first an objective distinction because it exists in the object, and second we can call the other thing a subjective distinction because it exists in the subject, that is, in you, in your mind. And then when it comes to some distinction that we make in the mind. There's also another distinction we can make. We can make a uh, distinction between something that is purely subjective. So I kind of just make up the difference in my mind, but it doesn't really exist uh, at all with any sort of foundation in the thing. And then in the second part, we can uh, think about something which exists in the mind, but has some foundation uh, in the thing. There's some sort of, uh, there's some sort of formality in the thing that I'm drawing out uh, by my mind, but it doesn't exist before. It still needs the relationship to be formed uh, by my intellect, but it doesn't exist before uh, my intellect, if, if that makes sense. So, and then uh, thinking back in relation to the thing, we've already talked about the relation of the mind. It can be either purely subjective, have some foundation or exist before the mind, but in relation to the thing, it can be something which exists in the thing, or it could be something that's merely based in the thing. 
or uh, it can be something where it, there's no basis in the thing. And therefore, from these distinctions in our mind, we can either have two names, two concepts, or two things. So if it's two names, so that's something which is purely subjective and has no basis in the thing and purely exists in the mind, that's going to be what we call a nominal distinction, a distinction between names. And then the second, something which exists in the mind, but it has some sort of foundation in the thing, and it can be said in, a, in, a, uh, in an improper way to exist fundamentally in the thing, we would have two concepts, and therefore it's called a conceptual distinction. It's also called a virtual distinction or distinction of reason reasoned. And then the third place, we can have something which totally exists apart from the mind, something which is purely objective, something which is in the thing, and that is what we call an objective distinction or uh, I don't like this term because it gives the wrong sort of wrong vibes to a lot of people, but we can call it a real distinction. So that's what the, the famed real distinction is. It's something that pre-exists the mind and exists purely in the thing. So now that we've got all of that through, the distinction between a nominal, conceptual, and objective distinction, we can bring something uh, forward about how we think about conclusions and how we think about evolution. So when it comes to conclusions, when we're going through that process of reasoning, we have that first uh, sort of truth we're thinking about, and then we apply the powers of our reasoning. The relationship between that original truth and the truth that we uh, conclude with is going to follow the same sort of pattern of these three distinctions. First, you can have a nominal conclusion. You are purely uh, having a uh, new sort of clarification of that same idea, that same name. So this would be like going from man to rational animal. That would be a nominal conclusion right there. Second, you can have uh, what's called a conceptual conclusion. And in this, you're going to discover a sort of new concept within the thing. You may think of our reasoning process that goes from something being spiritual to something being immaterial. Your, your intellect, as we described in the last lesson, the, in, the intellect is penetrating the idea and gathering a new idea from it. But again, these are ideas. These are concepts. And then the third, uh, the, the process may come with a completely new object. You may have uh, a premise and a conclusion that are completely separated from one another. We're going to see that that inevitably is invalid reasoning because uh, it's a sort of fundamental premise of logic that the uh, conclusion is virtually contained in the premises. And therefore, we can have three types of evolution. So we can have an evolution that's nominal. So you're merely adding a new name onto what you had originally. You can have that conceptual evolution and then you're, you're sort of adding, uh, we, we can think, uh, new concepts uh, 
to it, but not a uh, concluding anything uh, new, no sort of substantial change. And in the third place, we can have objective evolution, where there's an actual transformation. And the conceptual and nominal, those are going to be part of a truly Catholic view of the evolution of dogma. Because we're not going to be able to find new uh, sort of revealed objects. That would be ridiculous. Revelation ended with the apostles. But we are going to be able to consider new concepts. We're going to be able to consider new concepts because of the weakness of our intellect. So we're able to plumb the depths of some uh, something over time. And that's why we're going to be able to uh, better define things with nominal evolution. And, and we're going to be able to derive new concepts that are already contained in Revelation uh, with, with the second sort of uh, evolution. So we also uh, can conclude to uh, what are called uh, two different kinds of discourse or really reasoning processes. So we're going to have two types of discourse. The first is going to be proper discourse. So in proper discourse or proper reasoning, something new is learned. And then with improper discourse, something new is not learned. But we may uh, sort of define or clarify uh, what is present before. So when, when you have that reasoning that's based on a nominal distinction, you don't have discourse. It, it's improper discourse because you're merely moving around uh, sort of oral terms or uh, I guess you could say a formulae. Uh, you're, you're moving around formulae, but you're not uh, gaining anything new. You're not learning anything new because there's no sort of uh, there, there's no continuation of any new mental terms. There's no new uh, concepts which are being formed. But when you have a conceptual or a real distinction between the, the point of departure uh, and then the conclusion, you, you are going to have proper discourse. You're going to have a proper uh, form of reasoning because there is a multiplicity of mental terms. So, and this is actually right here, the, uh, what is what is most important uh, in this in this discussion about uh, discourse or reasoning is to be able to distinguish between the two types of proper discourse because this is really where a lot of people get messed up. They can't uh, they can't understand the fact that you may um, you may discover a new concept. You may plumb the depths of, of something and then uh, understand it better, uh, be able to bring forth new concepts without uh, fundamentally moving on to new objects. So if you're able to properly distinguish between these two types of discourse, between the difference between a real distinction and a virtual distinction, or conceptual distinction, the difference between a thing and then an idea, if you're able to distinguish between these two, then you are going to be able to distinguish between uh, homogeneous and then transformistic evolution. That's just the uh, that that's the, the really the the foundational issue right here. And there's also an issue with uh, some people not being able to distinguish between a nominal and a virtual distinction. Uh, some people fall into that trap as well. 
of thinking that we are really only able to explain in greater detail uh, revealed data rather than actually uh, derive new concepts. Uh, but really, uh, you're not going to run into many people like that because you're you're going to be able to give examples actually of stuff they believe where they have applied the process of reasoning in order to uh, conclude um, a new concept. So continuing. So from this, we're going to be able to derive three degrees of evolution. And this is kind of the, the sticking point. And I'm going to explain the, the different type of ways that the first degree uh, happens in much more detail. Because I think, I think really explaining to people the first degree will really help them understand uh, what the second degree is. So uh, in order to begin, uh, we need to understand what the point of departure is. So the point of departure is that truth which is held by the mind prior to the application of any processes of reasoning. So when it comes to the natural order of things, so when it comes to the reasoning process that you engage in in, uh, in, in nature, it's going to be those, uh, those, those, those first principles uh, that you really almost have an uh, intuition of. It's going to be those things which are uh, evident from nature that are that, that's going to form the starting point of your reasoning. But in the supernatural order, it's not uh, it's not intuitive principles, but they are revealed propositions. So it's going to be uh, those propositions that the apostles either wrote or spake. That is the point of departure for our reasoning. So technically, the point of departure isn't going to be something like the Apostles' Creed. Rather, it's going to be something like the Word was made flesh. That's going to be the point of departure in its original form, as revealed, hot off the, hot off the press. That is going to be the point of departure in our process of reasoning. So if, if there are people out there who, who think that we aren't able to engage in any of these degrees of reasoning, then you're really just going to have to fall into only using the words of the apostles um, as your, uh, as your entire theology. So uh, why even uh, argue with me unless you're just going to quote scripture verses and, and not be able to um, interpret or uh, explain uh, anything you're saying. So, there's going to be three degrees from this point of departure, from these words of the apostles. So in the first degree, we are going to be able to draw new formulae from the point of departure that differ merely by a nominal distinction. So in this, in this process, we're, what we're said to uh, do is we're making the implicit explicit. We're making the unclear clear. We're, we're going through a process of clarifying. And this can be done in, in four ways. So it can be uh, the difference between the definition and the defined. So let's say with, uh, with the word was made flesh. Now by, uh, by flesh, we can uh, sort of go through the first degree and conclude that flesh just means human nature. So the word was made man. If we go from the word was made flesh to the word was made man, 
then that would be uh, the the original and then the new formula <clears throat> would differ by a nominal distinction. You're making what was implicit explicit. You're making what was unclear clear. And that's in the first way, the difference between a definition and the defined. And then in the second place, you're going to have the difference between an essential part and the whole. So if we said, uh, for example, <clears throat> we went from the word was made flesh to the word has rationality, or, or actually the word has a soul. The soul is an essential part of human nature. So by, by having the whole, we are going to be able to have all of the essential parts. And then uh, with the third part, sorry, I don't know why I didn't have the, the fourth written down. So I don't have notes for that. Let me see if I can. Nah, sorry, I don't have the fourth. Okay, so I guess I'll just have to have three. So with the third, we're going to have the particular in an unconditioned universal. So uh, an example of this is if we have the verse, God so loved the world. By world, that uh, we, we can go through the, the first process of definition to defined. And say by world, he means mankind. And then in the uh, we, we can apply the third way and go from an unconditioned universal to a particular and say that I am one of the ones who am loved by God because I am an individual of mankind. So I am a particular, a particular human, a particular man. Sorry, human is... Uh, modernist and made up. Uh, I, I'm a particular man in the unconditioned universal of mankind. So as you see, all three of these, you're merely you're merely changing the uh, the the formulas around. You're merely changing the names around. You aren't gaining any new knowledge uh, by this by this process. You're merely explaining the terms. So on the other hand, with the second degree, and uh, I don't have detailed notes for the second and third because that's going to come later. But for the second degree, the formulae are going to differ by concept. They're not merely going to differ by uh, name but you're actually getting a new idea from your old idea. And actually I do have an example for the second degree. So for the second degree, this would be, um, let's say in the gospel of John, you have that God is spirit. God is spirit. So by spirit, we can look into that concept of spirit and we know that uh, by considering that concept, a spirit is something which is simple, so it does not have any parts. So we can conclude 
by an by a new concept, a subjectively new concept, that God is simple. We could also do immateriality. We could do immortality. There's a lot of different things. We could do intellectuality, actually, uh, because that which is immaterial is intellectual. So we can we can keep going on and bring forth from that revealed proposition by the second degree new concepts, but in the same thing, because spirit um, really uh, the the same object, spirit um, immortal. Uh, what else did I say? Simple. Uh, all of those are are contained in the same objective. Uh, thing, although they're different concepts. And then the third degree, the third degree is going to be uh, a different object altogether. And with, uh, to, to name these three, because uh, there's some difficulty in th the tradition uh, when it comes to how exactly we're going to name these three degrees, I thought uh, that it would be uh, wise rather than to give uh, various definitions of uh, uh, various terms of virtual and nominal and medium and everything like that to call the first one explanation because you're explaining a concept the second one explication you're explicating and the third one transformation because you're transforming uh, to a completely uh, new object the third degree is going to be off limits uh that's going to be a transformistic evolution. And the first and second are going to be uh, part of your uh, Catholic form of dogmatic evolution. So, and then as a final note, as I wrap things up, uh, you have to be very careful uh, to distinguish these three well. Because the difference between the first and second degree is the difference between faith and theology. So the first degree, we give the assent of faith. The second one is going to be theology. And then we're going to see how the church plays into this, where that, where it actually can shift um, degrees. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. This is all you need to know right now. The first degree is going to be faith. Second degree is going to be theology. And then we need to be very, uh, very careful to distinguish the third and the second degree, because a third degree, again, is going to be transformistic evolution. The third is going to be modernistic. The second is going to be Catholic. Okay, that's all I have for you. Thank you, and God bless.